Today is Father's Day, and um, I want to wish all of you fathers um, in our community and father figures a really happy Father's Day. I hope this is a, a day of fun and celebration. Um, we're so thankful and proud to have fathers and father figures in this community who love so well, and so we just bless you. And I just want to lead us in a prayer now, just to just to give thanks to God for you and um, and also to remember just his love as a father for us. So maybe you want to join me as we pray. Father, I, I thank you that, that you are our father and that we are your sons and your daughters, your children. We thank you today for fathers, uh, for earthly fathers, for father figures in our lives who bless us and love us and protect us and serve us and are present with us um, in our lives. We want to thank you for those in our community. And we pray a blessing on all of them. We pray that they would know uh, your goodness and your grace and your peace today. Um, we pray, Lord, that as we uh, gather in this way, as we connect in this way online, that you would bless all that we do and that you would steer our thoughts, that you would fill each of us afresh today with your Holy Spirit, and Lord, that we would indeed encounter you um, and know you um, more deeply and more fully today. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have a question for you, Redeemer. What do you think about when you think about God? When I say the word God, what comes into your mind? What do you think about if we were able to go into a crowded room today, if social distancing wasn't the thing and we were able to just to go around a crowded room and ask people what they think about when they, they think about God, you'd get all different kinds of responses based on people's spiritual, religious, or non-religious beliefs. For some, God is like an all-powerful deity. For others, God's like the big guy upstairs who created everything or he watches over us. Some would describe God as a force or even creation or the universe itself? This is a really important question. What do you think about when you think about God? What is God like? Who is God? The scriptures are this ongoing revelation of who God is. And we begin to see in the Judeo-Christian story a revelation of the divine, a revelation of God as, as a father. And Jesus continues this. He speaks of his relationship with God, with the divine, as, as, his, as his father. In, in John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. But Jesus knew God as father in an intimate way. He retreated to pray with his father. And in Matthew 6, he teaches his disciples to pray our father. For some of us, the idea of God as a father is, is a really reassuring one. It's a joyful one because our experience with our own earthly fathers has been a good one. And maybe your experience with your father is one of love, protection, assurance, and his presence in your life. And this is something to really rejoice in and give thanks for. But for, for many, it's, it's more complex than that. And on Father's Day, we need to remember that. Um, maybe your relationship with your own earthly father or father figures in your life is a complex one where there was an absence there or there was hurt 
there or there was not the love that you deserved or would have hoped for. And this can be very painful. And in fact, this is something that we should really deeply grieve. And it should also raise a good question with all of us about the very nature of God as Father. We wonder what kind of Father God is. The Hebrew Scriptures in Psalm 68 really help us with this. Um, There's three things I want to draw out of that psalm today. Firstly, that God is powerful and protective. This is the kind of Father God is. He's powerful and protective. The psalm starts with, may God arise. And for the Israelites, this would have been a really reassuring image. It would have reminded them of when God went before them, before the Ark of the Covenant, and when they were being delivered from the Egyptians. Um, God is, is powerful and protective. He delivered them and protected them from the Egyptians. Point two is that God chooses to use his power in a particular way. He, he channels his power to protect the most vulnerable. In Psalm 68 verse 5, we see God choose to become a father to the fatherless and a protector of widows. And this isn't about replacing earthly fathers or men. This is a poetic image, a beautiful image. You know, those without a father or husband in a patriarchal society like the one in which the psalm was written, I mean, they would have lacked personal security, safety, economic stability. These are the people that God chooses to care for. God chooses to protect the most vulnerable. The third thing that I want to draw out from this psalm is that God doesn't want any of us to be alone. Psalm 68 goes on to say that God sets the lonely in families. He sets the lonely in families. And this gets translated in so many different ways. But all of those different translations carry this idea, this theme, that God does not want any of us to be alone, that he is, he is a powerful and protective father on behalf of the most vulnerable who desires for none of us to be alone. And this thought is echoed throughout the whole of the creation story. You remember in the book of Origins, the book of Genesis, when God created Adam, he sees that Adam is alone and he describes that as not good. And, and this is m- so much more Um, This is such a bigger idea than simply the nuclear family or any kind of modern sense of family. This this idea is much wider and a more holistic view of being in community with the people that we love. This is something that we should continue to celebrate and encourage as part of God's redemptive plan. God does not want any of us to be alone. All of these images are beautiful images of the kind of father that God is, one who protects, one who is powerful on behalf of those without power, and one who cherishes everyone, every single human is his own child and does not desire that any go without a family or be alone. The Christian tradition continues to reveal the kind of father God is through Jesus. Jesus came to reveal the very heart of the father. In Luke 15, we, we hear this story that Jesus tells the crowd. He tells this parable. And this parable is one of the clearest and most defining images of God that we have. This parable of this story is known as the parable of the prodigal son. You'll know it. It's also referred to as the parable of the two sons because there is two sons in the story. But I think there's actually maybe an even better uh, name or title for this story, this parable. Um, I think the heart of the father 
would be a good name for this parable because the father figure in this story is stunning. And there is a defining image of God as father in this and specifically God's heart, God's father heart toward us. No matter where we find ourselves, whether we can place ourselves and identify with the younger son or the elder son. You know the story, there are two sons and we're gonna focus on the younger son today. In the story, the younger son goes to the father and he asks for his share of the inheritance right now. This is a bad move. This is a move in the Middle Eastern culture that would effectively be saying that he wishes his father to be dead. The younger son is living like his father is dead to him. And yet the father in his grace gives him the inheritance. The the younger son leaves and goes off to a far country and the story tells us that he blows all his money. He squanders all of the inheritance and there's a famine in the land. And in desperation, the younger son, he's in such dire need that he goes out to look for work and he ends up farming and feeding pigs. And in this moment in the story, he's tired and he's hungry and he's at the end of himself and he's wondering what his options are. In verse 17, it says that the younger son came to himself uh, and he had a revelation. I think that's such an interesting phrase. The younger son came to himself, came to came to find himself in a moment and he had a revelation that here he is in this, in this, on this pig farm at the end of himself, starving, hungry, worn out and yet he has this image of his, of his father's house and the, the hired servants would even be fed better than him. And so the younger son decides to arise and go back to the father. Mind you, he wasn't gonna go back and beg to become the father's son again. He was gonna just beg the father, can I be one of your servants in the house? Can you remember the the level of rejection that he bestowed upon his father when he'd asked for the inheritance? I mean, there would have been a lot of shame that he would be carrying because of what he's inflicted upon his father and asking for that. The shame would have been a, a weighty burden upon the younger son. So he couldn't face going back to the father unless he could beg to simply be a servant in the father's house. Brenny Brown says that shame is the master emotion. It's a fear that we're not good enough. Maybe that's where we find ourselves today. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. Maybe you find yourself weighed down by shame, by decisions you've made in the past, regretful decisions, or you're just a little bit lost and you're wondering, is there a way back home? The story continues and it's good news. The younger son arises and goes back to the father and All we're waiting for now is the reaction of the father. What kind of father and what's the reaction going to be? And this is where New Testament scholar Kenneth Bailey really helps us out here. Because the prodigal on returning to the village, he would have expected his father to remain aloof in the the house. He he would have entered the the village and and the village would have discovered that the, the prodigal son had squandered all his money in a Gentile land. And there would have been a great a lot of shame put upon the younger son. There would have been a ceremony of shame, in fact, and he would have been put outside the gate. And he may not even have been allowed to see the father. And then finally, he would have been summoned to the father and the father would have been very angry and the younger son would have to apologize for everything and he would have had to plead. But he would have been pleading for a job in the next town, in the next village. He wouldn't have been welcomed back to this village. But this is not what happens um, The father in this story that Jesus is teaching 
um, acts in a very, very countercultural way. We, we read this amazing verse that, that while he was a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The father has been waiting for the younger son and the father is moved with compassion. The father sees his son at a distance before he reaches the edge of the village and knows what the prodigal will suffer from the village when he returns. And so the father is nearly like cut up. The, 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 the original language there sort of describes the father's intestines as being all cut up in compassion for his son. And so the father runs. The father breaks the rules of ancient patriarchy and he runs down the road to reconcile with the son. The father sees him. The father has compassion and the father runs, the father races. This is not like a slow shuffle. This is, this is not even a fast walk. I mean, he races. Can you, can you picture that in your mind? Is that what you think about when you think about God? The, the running God, the racing God, the one that's coming after you, for you. In, in the story, in the parable, and in the Middle Eastern culture, a man of that age and position would always walk would walk slowly and in a dignif in a dignified fashion. It's safe to assume that maybe he's not ran a lot for many, many years. In fact, no villager over the age of maybe 20, 25, 30 would run. And yet here is this father racing down the road, lifting his, his garment, to showing his legs. Um, this would have been humiliating posture, and, and the people of the village would have been observing this and would have been standing in amazement and this is a respected village elder shaming himself publicly. It's not possible really to capture in any story the mystery of the heart of God, but yet this is a, in some ways a matchless story because we have such a clear image here of the heart of God as a father, a running, racing, compassion-filled father who loves his son so much he, he endures the shame of the village on behalf of his son. He runs out at a great cost for the one that he's looking for, for the lost son, the prodigal son, and he comes to find the son and to restore life to the son. This is an amazing image and an amazing scene in the story. The younger son, he was coming back to plan to ask his father to be a servant in his house is actually greeted with the running father, the compassionate father. And there's a celebration thrown. There's a, there's a banquet thrown. There's a feast. And the whole village is invited. There's not a shame ceremony. There's a feast. What an amazing image of God this parable shows us. Truly, truly stunning. On Father's Day today, when, as an answer, maybe as a response to the question, what do you think about when you think about God? This is the heart of God today. God is a loving, rescuing, protective, sacrificial, kind, compassionate father who loves his children, who waits for them, and who runs after them. He runs after us. I remember hearing a story about Michael Edward Regan, and he was the adopted son of Ronald Regan, the 40th president of the United States. And at his funeral service on June 2004, Michael opened his address with these words. He said this, Good evening. I'm Michael Regan. You knew my father as governor, as president, but I knew him as dad. 
This is just amazing. This is the kind of relationship that we can have with, with God as, 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 as like a dad, as, as a father. We can know God as father. When I was coming into Redeemer, to this building, 101 this week, I, I bumped into a man on the street and um, he, began to t- he began to tell me the story and I unprompted uh, of his own daughter. And it turns out that he's working to, to provide money for the drugs to pay for his daughter's treatment. His daughter suffers from uh, an incredible illness that's very rare and there's a life-saving drug that is available but it costs an awful lot of money. And he continues to work to pay for that. And he started to open up about her story and tell me about her journey. And she keeps remarkably well now, considering the illness that she suffers from. And she has her own daughter now as well. And he he said something to me that really struck me. He said, if I could swap places with her, I would. I was just struck by that image of, of, of him as a father, just the love that he had for his daughter and the sacrifice that he was making for his daughter, continuing to work every day, selling breakfast and cooking breakfast for people. And this this statement that he made about wanting to swap places with his daughter just spoke so much to me of a father's love for his daughter and in a sense, in that moment, I offered to pray for this man. And, but he, in a way, he, he gave me a gift that morning because I was coming in to record this very message and he, he showed me the love of a father, the sacrifice of a father. And it reminded me just how much our, our father, God, loves us. The sacrifices that he is willing to go to for us, the love that he has for us as a rescuer, as a protector. It's like the father in the story that we've been looking at this morning in Luke 15. The running father, the compassionate father, the father that is full of such pride and love in his son or his daughter. Redeemer, this morning on Father's Day, we can know God as father. If you're feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders today, if you're carrying burdens today, if you're at the end of yourself today, if shame is heavy on you today or eating you up inside or you feel lost or disorientated or disconnected, if you feel lost, you need to know that that God is your Father and He is eagerly waiting for you. And when you arise and turn to him, the Father runs to you. He races to you with love and with compassion and with sheer grace. This is our story, Redeemer. We are sons and daughters of God. He is our loving, compassionate, protective Father. And we can know God as Father. Paul's letters in uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians to the Galatians, to the Romans, uses this 
this metaphor of adoption to help us understand our relationship to God. Ephesians says that we are adopted sons and daughters. That once we were slaves, once we were captive, once we were lost, but in God's mercy, he has offered us a sonship and a daughtership into his family. And this is just incredible. So what do you think about when you think about God? God, the creator of the cosmos, is revealed to us in, in this story in Luke 15, in the Jesus story, as a loving and compassionate father who calls us his sons and daughters. And Jesus came to tell that story and to make a way to the father, to bring knowledge of God as a father who loves us. Adoption into God's family means that there's a, a new identity, a new sense of being, a new sense of who we are. J.I. Packer says that adoption is the highest privilege of the gospel itself. Adoption is not like a, a peripheral thing for us as Christians, but it's part of the core understanding of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a Jesus follower, to know God like Jesus did as our Father. I mean, it's great to know the gospel and the benefits of the gospel, the good news of the gospel with these ideas of forgiveness and redemption and rescue, but adoption, the knowledge, the knowledge of God as Father is above all of these wonderful metaphors and it tells us something so much more. Henry Nouwen has this quote and it says this, whether I am the younger or the elder son in the story, God's only desire is to bring me home. This is the God I want to believe in. He says, a father who from the very beginning of creation has stretched out his arms in merciful blessing, never forcing himself on anyone, but always waiting, never letting his arms drop down in despair, but always hoping that his children will return so that he can speak words of love to them and let his tired arms rest on their shoulders. His only desire is to bless it's a beautiful, beautiful quote from Henry Nowen. I want to leave you with this, Redeemer. What do you think about when you think about God? I trust this Father's Day that you know the revelation of God as a Father. And not just a Father, but a kind and compassionate Father who calls us sons and daughters, who welcomes us into his family. This is God's dream for the world, that none of us, no one person, no man or woman or child in humanity would be alone, but all would have the knowledge of God as Father. May this be true for us, and may we take that message to a world who needs it. Amen. I want to lead us in a prayer to finish, and maybe you could um, join me in prayer by just changing your posture Maybe you want to kneel. Maybe you just want to open your hands in a receiving posture. I'm going to use the words of St. Anselm to pray. Lord, because you have made me, I owe you the whole of my love. Because you have redeemed me, I owe you the whole of myself. Because you've promised so much, I owe you my whole being. I pray you, Lord, make me taste by love what I taste by knowledge. Let me know by love what I know by understanding. I owe you more than my whole self. 
and I have no more, and by myself I cannot render the whole of it to you. Draw me to you, Lord, in the fullness of your love. I am wholly yours by creation. Make me all yours too in love. Father God, we thank you today that you are our Father and that you love us. And we pray that to us today on this Father's Day that you would be not just a concept to us as Father, but that the reality of your love for us as Father would be so real to us that we would know your love and be drawn into your love in its fullness today by the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you have welcomed us into your home. We thank you that you've welcomed us into your house, that you're a father who is so kind and compassionate and who runs for us, who's jealous for us, who comes after us, who clothes us in your righteousness and throws a banquet for us and a feast for us, Lord, that you have so much grace and love for us. And we just thank you for who you are today. May we know that love. And Lord, may we go to this world and go to the most vulnerable in this world to tell that story, that the whole world, that um, people in our lives and around us, Lord, would know that God is Father and God is a kind and compassionate Father. May we do this, Lord, and may we May we, Lord, be your hands and feet in this world, going to this world in our compassion and in our kindness, Lord. May we extend this invitation to the Father's house. May we provide protection um, for the most vulnerable. May we love like you have loved us. Equip us, Lord, to do this. And it's in your name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.